So uh, let's call her Hannah. We call her Hannah because of Hippolo. I cannot really discuss her name. And I remember when uh, she came into my office, and I was working in an outpatient uh, psychiatric uh, agency as a psychiatric nurse. So she came to my office because I have to do an assessment. In order to start her on a, um, a drug therapy, because she was a heroin, she had heroin addiction. Um, she was 26 years old. I remember when she came into my office and uh, telling me that she came from a really good, really religious family. In fact, her brother was a youth leader, not in an Adventist church. I think she was a Baptist. But she told me that she is struggling with with this uh, horrible addiction for years and years, you know, since she was 16 and now she's 26 years old. She dropped out from high school. She lives in the car and she's spending all of her money on heroin. And, um, um, you know, I assessed her. We went through some um, lab results, you know, if she's appropriate for this medication called the Vivitrol therapy, which is a good medication. I don't want to get into detail how it works, but the, but the point is that this medication, it covers the dopamine receptors in your brain that heroin tries to occupy for about a month. So, so that's why you have to come back each month to see me so I can give her this uh, injection. And she knew that she needs that therapy. She knew that what she was doing is destroying her. Um, however, this addiction was so strong, and um, she said, I need help, and that's why she, she came to see us as an agency. So along this, um, with this um, um, therapy, she um, attended the... Um, group therapies uh, that was led by um, therapists and psychologists, and uh, everything was good. Everything was good for about two, three months. And after two, three months, you know, we kind of warned her that because the medication is working well and the therapy and the sessions are working well, don't give up. Just stay with the course. Because if you give up, then you can slip back to your um, previous lifestyle really easy. Don't fool yourself feeling that, okay, because I'm not craving for heroin, now I can beat it. You cannot do that. You have to stay with the course. But unfortunately, um, after two, three months, um, she disappeared. And um, what uh, makes it even more sad, uh, after another two months, we saw her picture in a newspaper and reporting that she overdosed and died. And it was kind of really hit me, even though I, I, I faced death, overdose death before, and I had other clients, but this girl was different because she came from a Christian family. She knew that what she was doing is destroying her. It's kind of like um, um, Romans 7 came alive in front of me. You know, she knew what she was doing Wrong, however, she will still keep doing it. But before we go forward, I have a question to you, church. What do you think, how many people died in the Vietnam War? How many 
uh, U.S. troops died in the Vietnam War? Just give me a number. No? Pardon me? There you go. Were you there? Oh, 58,000 U.S. soldiers died. And it's true. 50, actually, the number that I got, 58,220. That many uh, people, American soldiers, died in the Vietnam War alone. Now, for comparison, in 2017, guess how many people died in overdose? 70,237 people. If we add to that number um, numbers of the death that caused suicide, which was 47,173, the two numbers add together, yesterday I did my math, it's the double of the amount of death that people died in the Vietnam War. So I think there is a war going on, which is uh, just as bloody, just as painful, just as caused as much heartache as any other wars. And we are losing. We are losing on this war. And Jesus said in John 8:44, you guys know the verse, that Satan is a murderer, and he is behind. Every death, either it's a physical war when they are um, destroying each other with guns and weapons, or when they are destroying themselves with opioids, or they are committing suicide. And this war is fought for the mind of the human being. And I see that in every day. Um, Satan has a special attack to capture to win your mind. And we are, as I said, we are losing. Um, psychiatry hospitals are popping off left and right, and they are full. They are full with people with depression, with anxiety, with uh, schizoaffective, with schizophrenia, with other uh, mental diseases. We are seeing people, children, you know, with major depression, you know, young as 12 and 13. So, so Satan is, is, is really doing a good job to, to uh, destroy as many people before Jesus comes back as he can. So why are we losing this battle on our own? Well, um, one of the reasons is that uh, we, have a, we have a problem in our our perception of, of how we live, how we look the problem, how we look our humanity at, at all. We kind of gave up on God and, um, and because of Freud and other psychologists, we tried to find our own path and our own way to deal with our issues. Well, if you are working in a medical field, Abraham Maslow's name is pretty familiar, right? And you know, who is working in medical. Maslow, the hierarchy of needs. Have you guys heard of that? Yeah? Some offers <laughs> are good. Just, just, um, um, Maslow came out with this um, brilliant idea. He's a humanistic psychologist that 
He approached mental health in a healthy uh, person, a successful person angle. And he said that, you know what, let's look at how and why people are successful in life. Now that was his, it's an atheist perception. And he had this uh, um, hierarchy of needs, you know. And he came up with this. And he said that before you can do anything as to be successful, I mean, I have a cheat sheet, uh, because unfortunately I just, just, not just don't believe his um, hierarchy, but I don't even remember, <laughs> even though I had to learn it. So the first baseline is psychological needs. Uh, physiological needs, I'm sorry. Sorry, my handwriting is bad, but... So, what are you saying that in order to be happy, the first thing first, you have to have air, water, food, shelter, safe clothing, and, you know, you have to have um, other things that are physiological needs. Before this one, you cannot even do anything, because obviously without um, food, you will die, and you cannot do anything. So, actually, this whole hierarchy is pretty logical, but I'll tell you why I don't believe in it. So, so that's what they're saying, and that's why people are saying that, uh, well, educated people, that if I see my family suffer or hungry, I will do everything. So, so the need can justify the action, and uh, for many people, and say that, uh, physiological needs, if you're hungry, you can do, you can break into houses, you can get your food, people will judge you differently because you did that, especially if you did, do it for your own kids or your own loved ones, okay? And then the next layer, they're saying that you have to have safety needs. So you have to have a job, you have to have personal security, you have to have health on property. So, so these safety uh, needs are really important to go up in your satisfaction in life, and uh, without that, that really helps you to um, to kind of achieve more than other people. You know, if you have your physiological needs, now you need safety needs, you know, security, as I mentioned. The next uh, level is love and belongings. If you have all the safety needs and the phys uh, physiological needs, then you need to feel loved. You need to feel that uh, people love you. You can love someone. So you have to um, feel loved. And uh, if you look at the trendy memes on Facebook and other places, it's all about love. Make sure you are loved and, uh, and, 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 um, and you belong to a group or society. And this is the next level as far as um, become more successful in life. Okay, that's a human love. It is not God's love. It is a human selfish love. The next level is esteem. So, how do you respect yourself? How confident you are? How, um, you know, uh, that uh, if you guys uh, ever heard Jordan Peters, uh, Peterson, he's a psychologist in, um, in Canada, Toronto, he had this uh, book on law of life, I think, 12 law of life. And the first law is that you have to 
uh, stand up straight and, you know, kind of have a confidence. So if you have um, esteem, then it's a next level in order to reach the full satisfaction of life, which is self-actualizations. This is the highest form of, um, of, 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 of satisfaction and, and, and um, achievement of life when you can be the best that you can be. So that's, that's Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs that he came up um, in the um, beginning of the 20th century. And the humanistic psychologist says that answer, if you want to find the answer, you have to look inside. You have to find the, the, the power inside, within. And this is my problem with it. Because if you think about it, it's logical, but missing a huge foundation. The huge foundation that without that foundation, without that thing, everything else is just crumbles together. Because you just cannot do that. Because something is even more important than physiological needs. Something is even more important than food or water or air. And which is not else, but God's love. And this is what we need the most. And, um, and it's actually it's in the Bible too. Um, another, another issue with this thing that because uh, it looks within... They forget that the human heart is, what does Jeremiah 9, uh, 17, 9 says? Is the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So you cannot find love and, and uh, um, happiness and joy if you look into your, to yourself. Because all you can see is just a dipped, uh, uh, wicked and um, deceitful uh, organ or center of your emotions. Obviously, it's, uh, it's in the brain, but the Bible calls it the heart. So, where can we find God's love? Where can we find His, uh, his um, answer to all this problem that not even brilliant psychologists can answer? In order to do that, we have to go to the cross. And I have a beautiful quote that I try to read for you. And, um, and we can find that love that we all need. It's in from the Desire of Ages, uh, page 755. The spotless Son of God hung upon the cross. His flesh lacerated with stripes. Those hands so often reached out in blessing near to the wooden bars. Those feet so tireless on ministries of love spiked to the tree, that royal head pierced by the crown of thorn, those quivering lips shaped to the cry of woe. And all that he endured, the blood drops that flowed from his head, his hands, his feet, the agony that wrecked his frame, and the unutterable anguish that filled his soul at the hiding of his father's face, speaks to each child of humanity, declaring, It is for thee, that the Son of God consents to bear his burden of guilt. For thee, 
he spoils the dominion, uh, domain of death and opens the gates of paradise. He who stirred the angry waves and walked the foam-capped billows, who made devils tremble and diseases free, who opened blind eyes and called for the dead to life, offers himself upon the cross as a sacrifice, and this from love to thee. He, the sin-bearer, enters the wrath, the wrath of divine justice, and for thy sake becomes sin itself. Now, if you think about this quote, I'm telling you the truth, I cannot even fathom what does it mean. What does it mean that the perfect Son of God became sin for us? You know, I just, I think that's why the spirit of prophecy tells us that we will, we will study the topic of Christ um, became our substitute for eternity. Because it's just so rich, it's just so mind-boggling. How come a perfect son of God, who been honored and worshipped by millions of angels... He came down and became a sin for ourselves. And if we look at the verse that a um, brother read in Second Corinthians 5.21, read it again, it says why he did that. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I mean, I think the exchange is unfair if you look at that. I mean, this is what God did in order to us sinful human beings to become, to become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. So that sacrifice is it, is it um, as I said, it just doesn't even comprehensible for me. I just, all I can do is, is um, accept it. So, I think that love is the real fundament that I think rests the whole picture. So, without that love, any of these things are um, just falling apart. Um, and, but with God's love, we cannot just survive in this crazy world but also, um, also we can uh, thrive. So, I think the, the next question that obviously comes to our, our mind is how that it works. How does it work, this exchange? You know, how can I get Christ's righteousness? And how can he take our sinful um, life? I think uh, it is fair to say that as the degree as we are willing to give God our sinful life is a degree that we can have his life. You know? Um, we need to give them all. <laughs> that's, that's the bottom line. <laughs> that's the bottom line. Um, God requires all of us, all, not all of us, all of Ourself, in order to cover all of ourself, you know that it doesn't work in um, 
in a proportionate um, way. You know, he's not, he, he cannot just do a half work in us. We cannot hold something back from him in order to, um, to receive everything that he can offer. And only his complete sacrifice can, can um, cover us uh, so we can, we, can, we can have everlasting life. Somebody says that there are five layers or levels of um, surrendering. The first level is uh, giving your money. That's easy. Everybody can do that. Number one, the tithe is the, is the Lord's, right? That's, that's not even ours. That's, that's <laughs> no question. But above the tithe, you know, you can be thankful for the Lord and, um, and you, can, you can show that love and that appreciation with, um, with, with, with money. Okay? But that's the lowest level of surrendering. Another, person, another level above that is surrendering your time. If you realize that, okay, so it's not just a monetary um, aspect of life that we are getting from God, but also He gives us time. EGY says that the, 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 the thing that we're going to regret the most in heaven is the time that we did not surrender to Him. So that's why the, the second level of surrendering is... Your time. The next level is surrendering your power and skills. When you realize that everything is from God, all of your talents, all of your skills belongs to God, and you get it to, to, to be a blessing to others and to glorify God with it. You didn't get it for, for your satisfaction, just to get more attraction from people. Another level above that is surrendering all of your fears and your hopes. And I'm uh, glad that I see young people here. I remember when I was young, I was always afraid that, oh Lord, who's going to be my, mar- uh, my, my spouse? Who am I going to marry? <laughs> Can you be bold enough to put it in God's hand? You know? How, what about your fears? Can you put your fears into God's hand? You know, uh, the two common, most common um, mental disorders is anxiety disorder and uh, depression. Can you live a life that when you realize that God is in control? You don't have to be anxious about, you know, what's going to happen with my job, with my health. But God is in control and Romans 8.28 is a beautiful promise that you can hang on to. And the fifth, the last surrendering level is when you are surrendering completely, completely, your will, your life to God. And it's not easy. I'm, I'm telling you, this is the hardest thing to do, to surrender all to the Lord. Because we have plans. We, we believe that, oh, God called me to do this, and He never did that. Uh, again, I'm sorry, I, 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 I'm quoting E.G. White, and, and, and you can look it up. Um, I remember reading that she was over and over when, especially in our testimonies, I have this uh, book when contains all the testimonies and I started to reading it through, and over and over telling certain pastor, you never been called to this position. <laughs> you are never been called to, called to do that. Are we willing to give up our, our 
preconceived ideas what God has you know, for us and really pray and humbly accept His plan for us. I just read it today. That if God did not bless you with riches, you know, with, with wealth, then don't run after it. That's not God's will to do that. You have a different talent. And God will reveal it to you. So, uh, the question is, are we willing to surrender? Are we willing to give our life in exchange to Jesus Christ's life that he offers to you? And how, what's the degree that we want to do that? I pray that it's 100% we will do that. We don't hold anything back. I heard a story, it's a, um, a man-made story, a made-up story about a guy who had a passion for rocks. And um, as I mentioned in the Sabbath school, I was in uh, backpacking uh, um, and camping last week in the nature. I wanted to be in the nature with, uh, with God and two um, younger guy came with me, you know, so I, it wasn't a solitude, but anyway. And, and in, in that island when we went to, in Lake Michigan, um, it is beautiful how the rocks turns out when the water touches them. It, it's pretty. So this guy had this passion to, 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 to collect rocks. And he was so, so into this passion that it's always had this uh, bag of rocks with him. And, and he, whenever he went, you know, he saw a rock in a, uh, on, the, on the ground. He picked it up, put it in his bag, and, and, um, and that was his passion. However, he was a poor guy, and his family was was needy, and he has kids, and, and, and this, uh, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the economy was bad, so, so he, was, he, he was in need. So, but he met this rich guy, and he said that, you know what, I, you know, can you help me somehow? And he said, yes, 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 yes come on over. So he, he, he gave him a, um, a bag of precious uh, crystals. So, oh, and he was really ha- uh, happy that hey, this guy is just willingly, just uh, for free, <laughs> helping him out a bunch of precious uh, crystals. And he pulled the whole thing into his bag, and he ran home and, um, and, 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 and told the wife that, hey, I have this guy, I met this guy, and he just, he just blessed us with a bunch of uh, precious crystals. And look at that. And, and looked at his, his bag, it's, it's just only two, three of them. And he was kind of thinking, I mean, come on, he gave me a whole bag of crystals and I have you know, the three, three pieces on my, uh, you know, in my bag. How does it be? But they were happy. They saw the, the, the crystals. They had food for another two, three weeks. But after that, you know, he, he was in need again. So he said, oh, let, let's go back to this rich guy. So he went back and, and he said, okay, no, no problem. I'll give you more. So he again pulled out a big, big, big basket of, of precious crystals and pulled on his, his rocks and he ran home, and again, just two or three left in a bag. So how does it, how, how does, why is it happening? And, um, and then he remembered that, you know, because my bag is full. Full. And not many precious crystal can fit on top of my rocks. <laughs> and he, he, he had a problem to empty that basket. And this is how many times we are with our life. You know, we are holding on to our plans, or our desires, even good desires, even our good plans. But in order for God to use us 100%ly, 
is if we empty ourselves, if we give them all to Jesus, as the song says. Um, Ephesians 2.46 But God, who is rich in mercy uh, because of his great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in um, uh, trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus Christ. That's what he offers us. These are his riches that he is willing to give us if we are given up our own righteousness. What Paul, we know, um, Galatians uh, 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer who I live, but Christ uh, lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So this is, this is um, the exchange that God wants us to do when, when we completely empty ourselves and give ourselves to God. And this is the basic of every other need that goes way behind, way beyond the, the physical needs. That's why, um, that's why people... Um, went uh, and became martyrs because those physical needs you know they, they, they valued God's love more than those physical needs they, that's why they were able to sing um, while they were facing the lions the, uh, the hungry lions that's why they were able to, to, to um, endure persecution and, and other um, horrible things in their life because they uh, value, uh, valued God's love way more than any other needs that they had. Uh, just a couple more th- uh, thoughts. Uh, uh, and I know you guys know, you, um, you know uh, Jeannie, uh, whose uh, death uh, um, anniversary is approaching. Um, she, had a, she had a prayer, I remember, for years. And her prayer was, um, and she quoted always uh, E.G. by saying that it's either the plow or the altar. And that was her, 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 her thing. Her um, talent of playing the piano, of being organized, she put uh, everything in God's altar. And God used her. And I'm telling you, it was a privilege to be um, her husband. And... Um, and the story that I wanted to uh, share with you, it's, uh, I hope I can <laughs> uh, share it with you without um, getting too emotional. But I remember um, the cancer um, was advanced uh, really badly. It was probably a year ago. And um, she couldn't eat uh, too much, uh, <laughs> pretty much nothing. The only thing that she was able to have is applesauce applesauce and uh, because she was uh, taking a lot of um, um, really strong uh, painkillers um, you know and I remember it was you know June, July it was hot even though we had the AC we didn't want to have the AC too strong I, I, but she she, um, she was oh can I have some applesauce 
And I remember went to the uh, refrigerator and got her a spoonful of apple sauce. And um, and uh, when I was taking it back, I was I just broke down, sobbing and crying. And uh, and um, and uh, seeing Jeannie, whom you guys know, all, the strong, um, happy, um, full of energy, Jeannie, uh, just craving for. For, for a little applesauce. That's, that's all she have left in this life, um, um, just applesauce. And, I, and, I, and the thoughts came to my mind that if me, as a sinful um, human being, are crying over my wife who is dying and, uh, and, and craving for applesauce and and, 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 I, and and as a nurse it, it's even even uh, even uh, more uh, painful because you know you know that only a divine intervention can save her you know since the first cat scan resort I knew that we need a miracle but God had a different plan so if I was sinful human being 7,000 years after you know the creation of Adam and Eve as we learned it are so in pain and agony over my own wife how would Jesus how is Jesus feeling when he looks at this earth and see us dying in our sins just because we don't want to accept his exchange so my uh, closing words, it's in Romans 14, 7a. It's my prayer for everybody, including myself. For none of us live to himself, and no, no one dies for himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. So this is my prayer for, not just for myself, but for all of you. And, and please, put God's love, His precious love that was expressed infinitely behind our comprehension on the cross. Esteem more than any other needs that uh, this world affords, or, uh, offers to us. Amen.